As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Good evening, Rifters. This is Rifts and Rules, the 5e d podcast where we go through the many 5e books and talk about various rules to enhance your gameplay experience. I'm Remy, Dungeon Master, and a player on the Rift podcast. podcast. And Unfortunately, Mitch is still sick, but we were able to snag this guy to help us out again. And more. Follow us on Twitter at Riftwake Podcast. Hey there, um, I'm just a passing traveler trying to find my way through life. I'm Nathan, by the way. Yeah, it turns out if you just kidnap some cats, it's real easy to find random strangers. And today's topic is running a Halloween session. Yay! So Halloween is my favorite holiday. And as regular listeners of Riftwake will know, holiday episodes in general are something that I enjoy doing. So last year we did a Halloween session of... We'll be having one this year as well, which should release in just a couple of days on the Riftwake feed. And it's just something that I find to be a lot of fun. So how to do a Halloween session, though, is a question that I've had come up a time or two. So before I go on into my full rant, Nathan, what can you tell me about Halloween sessions? I mean, there's... Really, uh, the main thing about a Halloween session, it's that it's an event uh it can play a part in your story or it can be a one-time thing with the characters from your story if you so wish like from your campaign if you so wish and it's fun because it puts uh you know like the players in a new environment to see how their characters react to certain situations and all around it's just like It's it's fun to celebrate um an event, a festive occasion, some way in your D and D game. Yeah. So the very first thing that I will say when planning a Halloween session: Do you want it to be canonical or non-canonical? Because if you want to actually just have a spooky session with your regular players, regular characters, and actually just having them encounter a spooky situation that is going to give you different options than if you have it be non-canon where you can either choose to do the version that you know it's all a dream or did it happen or not and just keep things kind of just mysterious and ambiguous there's a lot of ways to do that canonically in deity or whether it is just a situation of you're just giving your players uh you know a bunch of level one characters and just going with something completely other 
than your regular session. This is yet another situation where there is not a single correct answer, and all the things that I just described are okay to do. Uh, just out of curiosity, do you have any kind of preference or input for that? I mean, for the show, we we do things a certain way because it's you know you know it's easier for me that way, but. <laughs> Um, I'm usually the one who runs the holidays. Yeah, stuff. I, that's why that's why it's easier for me because you do. It. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's accurate. Yeah, but um, if I was to say in just a gen generic campaign uh, situation when you're a DM, uh, I think it can be quite fun to do both. Um, each has its own benefits. Like the benefits of yeah. doing it with your characters is that like you can do some seriously uh, fun stuff with the correct dynamic you already have going. I think both methods have their pros and cons. Um, so, like, doing it with your characters, your, your already established characters, can be quite pretty fun because you can work with that current, like, character dynamic you already got going with those characters, and you can see how they react to certain, like, different situations from your story, which might not include these horror ele elements, you know? Um... And really what it really comes down to is having uh, some connection to the characters that you wouldn't have if you did a one-shot uh, format. But the benefits of one-shot formats is that, um, especially if you really want to go uh, really go all out and really fucked, um, you know, you can have certain kinds of characters that fit more with that kind of style or what you want to do with that uh, situation. Absolutely. And to just add a couple more things onto that, uh, if you are using your normal campaign's characters, those are also, mechanically speaking, characters that the party's going to be more familiar with because it's who they're playing regularly. Well, if you just have a one shot that you're giving, you know, even like a lower level, like a level three character, just to have some amount of survivability, then, you know, if you have a spellcaster that is first and second level spells, and if you have a person who's used to playing a barbarian, they may not be as familiar with all of the options that having a spellcaster gives you. You know, if you have someone just playing in a class that they're not familiar with. You know, if you or the other way, even if you have a spellcaster, you know, get it, who's just playing a barbarian or just whatever combination of players and characters it is, familiarity is important when it comes to just using all of your abilities to the fullest. So if you're not using your standard characters, that can be a flaw. But exactly what you were talking about on the pro side, when you're playing with characters that aren't your standard, as a DM, you can do more to them that you generally wouldn't want to do to the normal characters. Like, if you have a Halloween game with a one, you know, a Halloween one-shot, and it ends in a TPK, that's a lot more okay if it is one-shot characters Versus if it's a TPK, when, if you just slaughter everyone in your campaign. So, I do honestly feel that Halloween one-shots in particular 
are something that I suggest just because it can be a lot of fun to just tell that kind of story where it is some terrible thing that just there is no chance for them to be able to win. So whether you do just have something like a revenant, you know, a creature that's not terribly powerful, but is certainly strong enough to give, you know, lower level groups a very bad time, and that there's not a whole lot that they're likely to be able to do to permanently put it down. Or just other creatures that do have, you know, rather particular limitations. Like a troll, you know, I've gone on extensively talking about my level of trolls. See episode on trolls. So if you do have, you know, that worst case scenario troll that I've described, like one that succeeded in, you know, eating enough creatures to become immune to fire and acid, then you have a creature that is nigh unkillable. Like, what do you do in that situation? You can then have an entire session very, very easily where it is just an attempt to escape this creature. Like, you might be able to fight it and even knock it out, you know, but eventually it's going to just get back up and continue coming after you. It will not stop. It will not die. There's a reason that, you know, the original Terminator movie was considered a good sci-fi horror movie. The idea of the unstoppable villain is a very good trope to make use of because that is something that can be very scary and there are a lot of ways that you can do it in D. I mean fuck there are constructs in D&D if you want to just play a one-shot game that is just Terminator where you just have a sufficiently powerful construct that just for whatever reason you contrive is after you know one member of the party or all of them or after a person that the party is trying to protect that could very easily be a really good one-shot session where you do have this powerful thing coming after you and you just have to stop it. And you may not know how, you may not know if it has a weakness, let alone what that might be. And again, as a dungeon master, that gives you a lot of flexibility. But to just backtrack again to the earlier point when you are using a one shot and not your standard characters you can make unwinnable situations while if that is the actual group that you normally play with or the characters that you all normally play with then that actually does limit a dm in some ways in terms of what you can throw against the party so there really are pros and cons about both methods. But in general, I, I just, I love Halloween. I love horror. There's a reason that I you know, wanted to do Tuesday's episode first to talk about horror. And just to make use of those horror and just spooky elements in a game of D&D is just combining two of my loves into something that goes great together. So, I oh man, it's just a fun thing to do. So, uh, moving on just past EA fun, what would you suggest, Nathan, in terms of actually starting to plan a Halloween session? 
as we know, I'm an expert planner. Um, I plan all the time. Uh, he yes. doesn't. So, how I would uh, consider planning a Halloween session. First off is, what is the main creep factor you're going for? Like, what, what are the... What's the part that you're going to face that will... Actually, hold on. I'm going to actually just interrupt you. I'm sorry, Nathan. Mm. I actually want you to give me two separate answers. First, okay. I want you to tell me what you'd actually do, then okay. talk about what should be done. Okay. What I'd actually do. Okay, what I would actually do. Um, so, I would uh, come entirely, almost entirely unprepared with maybe like, Three bullet points at most of what like Find I think would spooky be monster while waiting what for would be cool cool ideas you know um and then uh basically I would carry the entire session off of the I like basically I'll come up with like a overall main premise like we're talking one shot here right so yeah. I would come up with a main premise of what the party is doing why they are there. Um, and it would somehow tie in with the creepy thing, which I probably wouldn't instantly like reveal what it was. Um, and what I would do is I would try and carry it, carry the creepiness factor, and like try and do it with just um strong descriptions of uh like parts of it, not describing the whole thing. Um, and like basically having it slowly uh affect them or taunt them in a way so can you give an example a little bit more like what would be your three bullet points bullet points uh for example three bullet points for example let's say i'm i'm writing a uh the party needs to cross a um a haunted forest so like or this forest is known for people going missing and then like one of the bullet points would be Okay, um this is one thing they see. So for example, when they are out there they see a a thing like they, they think that they see someone hanging from a tree, like a hang person. Something like that. Mm -hmm. And then uh it turns out that it's not quite that or it somehow ties in with the monster. But I don't write the latter bit, it's supposed to be okay, what can I draw from the situation? The reason why I generally leave my bullet points open is that um even though it's like less planning and it sounds like i'm just being a bit like i don't want to do uh right thing which is partially <laughs> true um by doing that you give yourself some leeway to adjust your performance slash your uh what you react to your players doing because that's how typically i typically dm is i look at my players reactions and i see okay what situation will complement the player's current reaction to it so another bullet point probably be like okay an idea of how like what makes this thing scary for example if it's a thing that uh if, if it's the forest itself that's scary make it so that the it seems like the environment's trying to crush you so let's say as a part you like then you can think of uh ways that this will affect the party for example 
it seems as as they go deeper into the forest that like branches begin to grasp onto them and prevent them from moving forward. Um, things like let's say they camp at night. Uh, certain things go missing. Something important. Uh, they look around for it, and then someone else goes missing. You can do these kinds of things. It ties in with the idea of the environment fighting against it. And then the third bullet point probably be something along the lines of, okay, so you have all these things building up. How can you reach a conclusion? So I would be like, okay, let's say that uh, at the core, um, since this is a one shot, we'll put it in such a situation where it's highly likely most of the party will die, but there's something that they need to fight past or escape to uh, get out of the forest and perhaps with everyone still alive. Um, and then that way, with that in mind, you can be like, okay, so I need to figure out how, they, how do they get out? And then from there, you can, be, you can think from that point and be like, okay, maybe I want them to... Um, so the forest gradually gets more and more like obvious with its um uh like less like because the thing about horror is that you don't really want to just be straight up oh the tree just grabs you and shit it needs to be very subtle it doesn't need it cannot be at all at once suddenly oh it's just a monster because that's it's not as creepy so you know so you build it up to the point where you can get it to that okay now um the trees are beginning to uh add, like uh sprout branches and the branches are actually grasping other players dragging them down into the mud uh you start hearing one of your team like your party members choking in the mud so that's basically how i generally plan uh one shots and actually most of my sessions is that you want to create these points of um that tell you about what you will be doing during the session so they can work off it and yeah that's how i would do it for myself so just to summarize again for folks at home, like this is a good demonstration of just Nathan is an improv DM. He is much less a planner. But even if you do just have a couple of notes, even not written down, just a couple of points in your head, if you just have, you know, spooky forest, you know, curse, question mark, uh, and then just have you know, some thing just for a resolution, just so it's not like a total unwinnable situation. Like you can just have a couple of bullet points and then just go with the flow and just tell this fun, just horror adventure. Like, and also Nathan, you did also bring up a good point of not just revealing, oh, it's a monster. Like there's a reason that a lot of the better you know, movies do hold off a bit on the reveal of whatever the antagonist is. Yeah, so, because here's the thing that um, needs to be said. I know everyone said this a thousand times, but the human imagination is much more powerful than anything <laughs> that you as a person can say or think of. Mm-hmm. So as one good example, like, let's say you do have some type of, you know, haunted forest, like maybe the party is wading through some area of bog that has foot deep mud. And all of a sudden, 
one of the players you simply describe, they feel something brush by their leg in the mud. Like, you don't see anything, like, you don't really, like, describe it, just, they feel something brush their leg. And then, so, then they just have that paranoia of, there's something in here with us. And you could even choose to take it a step farther if you actually do have, you know, a vine or, you know, a limb of a tree or something under the mud to just grab someone's ankle and try to you know, pull them down into water or just to trip them. Like, even if you do just try to scare them off. Because also keep in mind, there is the other possibility in a lot of horror of maybe the bad guy isn't so bad. So you could absolutely just twist things entirely if you chose to. And imagine, so going, you know, sticking with the treant example, you could have it be that treant is just trying to guard this forest and that the people in the village cutting trees down are, are in the wrong because this is protected territory. And they just cut down all of these other trees some of which you might even just describe as, you know, be having been the tree's friends, you know, to borrow the line from Treebeard. But to continue on and just have the players have the choice, do they burn a village to the ground to try to just scare the people away and just don't let them keep that place of refuge? Do you side with the village to try to take out this forest guardian and then you get, you know, one of those wonderful D&D situations where the argument could definitely be made that there isn't really a good choice in that situation. And so then you have horror, but you also have a morality choice that doesn't necessarily have a right answer. And that's an interesting story to me. Like, that's the kind of situation that as a I love trying to arrange moral choices to my players. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Unfortunately, uh, I know that my players are evil and probably would just have no problem just going to murder the Guardian of the Forest. Yep. <sighs> yeah, uh, remind me to tell you at some point about the... Yeah, this week my players just murdered a bunch of troll children. You know, 
Sometimes oh, wait, you no, gotta understand. I shouldn't have. I shouldn't all trolls are that. evil, Remy. <laughs> Damn it! They are not of our kind. They must be exterminated. Yeah, I really should have remembered who I was <laughs> saying that too. <laughs> they must be exterminated, Remy. Okay, let me try to inflict some morality upon you. Yes. Let's say that you are in a situation where it's a one-shot, so you have a couple of level three characters versus a treant, which, mm -hmm. as a reminder, is a CR9 creature. <laughs> That's fucked. So, would players be more willing to burn a village down if it meant protecting their lives from getting killed by this treant? I think, like, or um, do you have the movie moment where you try to train the villagers to help somehow, or to lure it into a trap of some sort to weaken it, or light it on fire or something? I mean, that's that's part of why I enjoy being a DM so much. Is really okay. Here's here's a little thing. Ninety percent of the time, I don't actually have an idea of what the players will end up doing. So normally, <laughs> what I do, like the reason why I keep my DM style so loose um, it's because so very often players can come up with better ideas than you do and what you do is you act like yes I planned to do ex I, I knew that you're going to say that <laughs> or yes what you said is what's going on everything is going as I have foreseen exactly <laughs> yeah I mean, that's how, how, how I run things. It's just that I myself... Uh, that is not just you. That is DMs the world over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, mean, I totally it... planned that. All DMs are caught by surprise by their players. I like to plan things. My plans don't happen a lot because players will do shit you don't expect. Like, as an example... My party did very good with loot recently, and managed to get their hands on a wand of fireballs. Instead of just using that sparingly, or coming up with, you know, a sneaky type plan to try to kill a lot of people. So, imps, as a reminder, are sentient creatures. They are a low tier of devil, but they are sentient creatures that are able to be familiars. They decided to give the imp familiar the wand of fireball to get a good spot invisible because they can do that mm -hmm. and then just go to town burning a village down. Huh. And just by having the imp light the buildings on fire the inhabitants got chased out and funneled to where the party wanted them to be. And the fact that the buildings were on fire prevented people from having effective cover or shelter. Like, it was a good plan. I, but I'll admit, I did not see that coming. On a, on a small side note, right? Like a bit of a tangent. You know... I wonder if I'll ever see a party that isn't <laughs> isn't so isn't um, evil isn't evil because thus far 
all my um, DMing experiences have been, okay, let me give them this morality choice. It's going to be this child. There's going to be this child that's crying, okay, but he comes back to life when you kill him. And then they kill the child multiple times. Okay. Mm, yeah. Always take the dark side choice. <laughs> <sighs> Actually, uh, speaking of laughing, that reminds me. Unlike our Tuesday topic talking about horror, I do also want to just bring up the point. While, yes, Halloween is absolutely spooky, it does not have to be horror. It definitely can be, and that's a lot of fun, but it does not have to be. Because there are blending of genres that are perfectly acceptable. If you want to create a goofy Halloween to go more, you know, Adam's Family or, you know, Mel, Blo uh, Mel Brooks, you know, Dracula Dead and Loving It, Young Frankenstein, there are horror or horror options, but there are also humor options. And as a DM, the choice of the the tone that you are trying to set is in your hands. On the other hand, it is also worth mentioning, it may also potentially not be in your hands. Hey, hey, there are definitely times where a DM tries to make a serious situation that players just laugh at. Hey, Remy, Remy. Yes, it could be a Horrible idea. Ho horrible. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. Yeah, I'm not sorry. <laughs> but again, there are horror comedies. It's a rather popular genre of movie for good reason. They're fun. And as I do so often love to say, usually at the end of episodes, the goal of D&D is to have fun for everyone at the table. So whether you do want to just do a classic D&D Halloween horror game, or whether you do want to go humorous or just creepy in some other way, you can do that. But again, it is also worth mentioning the possibility players fuck up your plans. Like, it is entirely possible that you might have some, like, big bad prepared, and at what was supposed to be the introduction where, like, they're supposed to run away or, you know, lose the fight and then only narrowly escape, or they take the bad guy down but don't figure out the trick to killing it. Well, sometimes they do. Sometimes they get lucky and just happen to do the right thing or make the right choice or just flat out get lucky somehow that happens not infrequently and as a dm this is where you do need to have some improvisational skill as much as i do like the plan practically speaking a dm cannot plan for every possibility because you just can't there are things that players will do that a DM will not conceive of. They will use things in a different way or just come up with some combination of abilities that you don't plan on for example, figuring out that quick. For example, the, the, the beard room and the peacock 
Uh, yeah, sweeping up broken glass, the dwarf's beard did not see that coming. Not using his spell and peeing into the thing. Whoa. I mean, I'll be honest, that one didn't surprise me as much. <laughs> it is you. No, the thing is that it's a, it's a very intelligent answer. It's just that it's when you realize that you have magic and the guy mm. should know he has magic. Yeah, mm. it's, it's, it's very funny. On the other hand, there is such a thing as high intelligence, low wisdom. <laughs> now, there's a reason that trope is called the absent-minded professor. Sometimes a person is very good at the collection of knowledge, but not good at knowing when to use it. Ooh, that's me. Yes. Good. Yes. I'm sorry, Nathan. I'm sorry to be the one to reveal that to you. Yes. Anyway, back to Halloween session, though. <laughs> like, again, the fact that we have been laughing so much through Tuesday's episode and here, like, I hope does properly illustrate the idea that there are just assholes like us who do just find humor in terrible things. But that is something that can be okay. Like, if you are just trying to make light of dark topics, that is a way to emotionally deal with dark situations. There's not anything wrong with doing it. That being said, Halloween in particular is something that does invite dark things. So there are lines to be crossed. We have talked about this quite a number of times. Ooh, Session zero. Yeah. So exactly where you draw that line as a DM is something that is to be discussed in Session Zero. But when it does come to Halloween, especially for a Halloween one-shot, like I said on Tuesday, that is the time where you can push a little bit more. That doesn't mean that if you have someone with a newborn child that you should graphically describe a dead baby. I don't suggest doing that unless you know that your players are okay with such things. So anyway, what would be some good inspirations for planning a horror session? Horror or session just horror. getting some ideas for one? Or sorry, horror. a Halloween session, I should say. It doesn't Halloween session. Oh, I mean, <laughs> the, the the quick and easy follow, follow a trope. Done. Yeah. Honestly, we have also talked in the past about just using inspirations from other things in your D&D game. Especially if you are just doing a one-shot, or even if you're not, there's a lot to pull from. There is a massive amount of media in our world, and anything can be used as inspiration, whether that actually is something on the spooky side, or just something that you do just want to twist in a spooky direction there is no limit to the things that you can do like as an example last year for our halloween special i full-on ripped off the movie saw i like that movie and i just decided that would be a fun thing to do in D, so we did and it was awesome i'm still rather and pleased with how that all turned and, out and Dude. 
spoilers. Beep that. Uh, we want more people to listen to Rip Wake. Yeah, you're right. Usually am. Anyway. But, yeah, just, it's okay to just take inspiration. Like, I'm, actually, Nate, do you have a favorite movie? Favorite movie? Yeah. Remy, I don't know if you know this, but I don't watch movies. I know, but you've still seen a handful of them over yeah, your life. Yeah, so, like... Okay, fine, see. would it be better to say video game? Video game? Yeah. About what? A favorite video That's game. my point. Yes. Huh. Any genre. Just do you have a favorite game? That's a complicated question. Seriously? Okay, fine. Name a game that you really like. Okay. I mean, I really like... Um, Escape from Tarkov. Right now. I was hoping it'd be something that I would recognize. Escape from what? Tarkov. Tarkov. Can you name a game that I might have heard of? Might have heard of. Yakuza. Okay. There we go, then. Sure. Yeah, Yakuza. Like, having a smart, well-organized criminal organization. You can go the psychological horror route with that real easy. Like, you might have the situation where they've, you know, kidnapped someone important to you, whether that's an NPC or the player who couldn't make it to the session that day. Who kidnapped things, I love those. And then it might well be a situation where they're kind of forcing you to do some task for them because they don't want to implicate themselves or it's just dangerous for them. And they just don't want to get in a fight with something. Or maybe they have a problem where it's like a there's something under the building situation. Although, again, I hope that you as a DM might do more than, you know, more than giant rats. But actually, you know what? I take that back. Swarms of rats are fucking dangerous. <laughs> so even if you did have a situation where just... There was just a massive rat infestation in the basement of a Yakuza building. And then you just describe the fact that you hear these just scratches in the walls everywhere you go. Like, it's actually not that hard to make rats scary. So if you do just describe that, describe the smell, the sound, it is something that could very well be a creepy environment. And that is something that, even from a D&D just math perspective, can very easily be a dangerous combat encounter when you actually do encounter, you know, whatever the source is, whatever that may be. Like, maybe it could be as simple as, like, there's a broken pipe in the basement that just, you know, got missed because it was behind some crates. So all it actually takes to get them to stop coming would be a simple mending spell. But then you still have all the rats in the building that need to get slaughtered. Yeah, the idea of there just being thousands of rats in a small space. But again, that's where I like making the Yakuza connection, though, is to have it also be a confined space. Imagine if you are just in, like, the third sub-basement of some building 
and there are thousands of rats that come out from every nook and cranny of the building, you know, because you've successfully sealed them, you know, from being able to go through the pipe. So now all of them are, you know, cut off from their food supply or whatever they were able to get to from there. So now all these rats turn to the easiest source of food. You. Anything can be turned into a session idea. Now, one thing that I actually was lucky enough to have happen many years ago at this point, I actually did a Halloween one-shot as just an intro to D&D with a couple of people that I worked with. This was uh, six years ago or so. And that one-shot had two people in the party die, but it got the group interested in D&D just to see the shit that is possible. Just the creatures that are out there, the things that characters can potentially do. They got into D&D. And that ended up just creating the D&D group that I played with for most of the last five years since then. So using a holiday one-shot can very easily be a good entry point into D&D, where you do just have kind of disposable characters where you can just throw shit at them just to show people who may or may not be familiar with D&D. And it's a great way to just show them, look at this awesome shit that is out there. How cool is that? How fucked up is that? You know, what is your character going to do in this situation to introduce them to some of the moral choices that are possible in D&D? Honestly, if I would ever, um, like, put D&D into a short sentence that would be very marketable, um, it would be, D&D is like acting, but without the state trying. <laughs> That's not true, though. I mean, Detroit is totally a thing still for some people. I mean, yeah, but it's, you know, less present. I mean, that's also because you're used to playing online and not in person. Good point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have you ever played in person? Yes, I have. Okay. Then again, I, I used to do theater, so. Yeah. Me too, actually. Anyway. In summary. There is no limit to the variety of ways that you can plan a Halloween special, whether it is something with your normal characters, or whether it is a one-shot just to have that little extra fuck-you potential. It really is a fun thing to do, and something that I do heartily recommend. Thanks for listening to this episode of Riffs and Rules. Please leave us a review and give us five stars on iTunes. Also, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash riftwakepodcast. Tiers start as low as a dollar, and even that much really helps us out. Supporters get benefits such as behind-the-scenes content, early access to episodes, access to a monthly hangout where you'll be able to chat with the cast, and even input on Riffs and Rules topics. Find us on social media on Twitter at riftwakepodcast, on Facebook as Riftwake, and you can send us an email riffsandrules at gmail.com that's riffs a and d rules at gmail.com 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 